Bettina Chang, the co-founder of City Bureau, a civic journalism lab based in Chicago, talks to find out why about the future of journalism. There are so many people who are putting information out there now. Like you can't just say, well, trust us because we are traditional, because we are in power, because we are an institution. You have to explain why. The value of civic journalism. Journalism is a tool. It is not necessarily a profession. It is not necessarily an institution that needs to be achieved or, or got, gotten to. It could be something that you do every day. The debate around the financial models of news business. I do think that like because of the diversification of ways that people are trying to pay for news now, it's going to really uh, introduce a lot of new complications that are really interesting and worth thinking through and the need for a democratized access to journalism so that meaningful civic engagement and equitable news production can be truly achieved. this interview by asking Bettina Chang what is the mission of City Bureau. Our mission is to bring communities together to create more equitable and responsive journalism. What was the need you identified? The need we identified was that journalism is a very elite industry. It's not representative of the people who are most directly affected by the issues that we cover in journalism. So, you know, well, whatever topic that might be, whether it's housing or policing, immigration policy, environment, anything like that, um, these are burdens that fall because of the way that uh, systemic injustice works. The burdens fall most on people of color, low-income people, and other uh, marginalized folks. These people have very little power over how the stories are told or how information is passed around and shared and what the narrative is that comes out of these things. You have recently talked to TEDx about the future of journalism. Maslow's hierarchy of needs plays an important role in your analysis. What is the central idea of this approach? I think, you know, in short, it's basically saying that the same way that humans prioritize their needs, right, through Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you need you need to um, have safety and food and shelter first before you can really concentrate on things like um, intimate relationships, right? Like anybody who has faced any shortage of, of those basic comforts understands how that affects your, your ability to make relationships. But using that framework to explain what kind of journalism we focus on. So if there are people who are going hungry in your city, like, is it conscionable for us to be um, investing so much money in like the promotion of luxury goods in a style magazine, for instance, right? Um, and I'm not just, I'm not trying to say like the answer is 100% no, but it is definitely worth thinking about um, when we have limited money to do journalism. And journalism, as, as so many people have conceived of, is a huge important part of democracy. So where are our priorities? How do we explain it? to people who are not journalists? And how do we invite people into that process of helping us prioritize? First, we have to get our house in order and think about how do we make these editorial decisions? And then we have to be courageous and willing enough and welcoming enough to get people's input and actually change our ways based on that. 
If there are individuals who are spreading rumors or spreading misinformation, how do you combat that? Again, I think the traditional response is to be like, they're wrong, we're right, listen to us, right? But in the meantime, like there's so much um, that goes unsaid in that conversation, like why should we believe you, right? Like how do we know that this person is wrong and that you're right? Um, and so a lot of the work that we do at City Bureau is at those two junctions, which is number one, how do you build trust? And number two, how do you make it so that you're not just asking people to just trust you sight unseen, you're actually equipping folks to be able to determine the difference between misinformation and real information, you know, and those things are really related, right? Like, how, why would somebody trust a news organization if they don't understand how that news organization makes choices about its coverage? Those are choices that are made every day in newsrooms that editors never explain to people why. And so, of course, like, as a, as a casual observer who doesn't know anything about how those decisions are made, you would say, like, hey, the news is biased. Like, why should I believe them? That is why misinformation has strength and power. It's because there are these elite sort of traditional news organizations saying, no, 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 don't listen to them, but not explaining why. And, um, and I feel like, you know, with so many options out there, there are so many people who are putting information out there now, like you can't just say, well, trust us because we are traditional, because we are in power because we are an institution. You have to explain why. And when you do explain why, it makes everything a lot better, right? Like it makes your work better. It makes your relationship with, with the people that you're serving better. And it also protects others from future misinformation. And nevertheless, in the age of social media where everyone can produce content, the question still remains, why journalism is important? The fact that the technology around journalism has become accessible to all does not mean that the, the skills or the resources around journalism are available to all. So even if there is, let's say, a community organizer who's trying to draw attention to pollution in her neighborhood and she gets on social media and becomes really popular writing about that work, she still might not be able to interview the mayor. She still might not be able to get a response from the public information officer to get the data that she needs. So those are skills, you know, instead of saying like, oh, like we as journalists, we can do it and she can't. Instead, our philosophy is anybody can do it if we share our knowledge, if we share our skills with people. How does City Bureau train civic journalists? So we have two training programs. The first one is the paid 10-week training program. And that's specifically for people who want to be journalists, who, who want to have that, that experience. And, you know, it's definitely tough. You know, people who want to or feel like they can or feel like they want to invest time in becoming a journalist is already a very sub small subset of people. So we do very targeted recruitment. And we make it really clear that you don't have to have any sort of special degree. All you have to do is have a demonstrated commitment to this kind of work to just show that you care about community, that you care about storytelling and reporting and telling the truth and finding ways to, to sort of um, to bring light to issues. Um, that's what we're looking for. And in order to make sure that it's as fair as possible, we really put an emphasis on local knowledge. So if you're from the neighborhoods that we work in, um, whether you work there, you grew up there, whatever it is, um, that matters just as much as someone who has a master's degree in journalism. So 
that's um, a huge part of our recruitment process for that program. On the other hand, you can't create a revolution just from people who want to be journalists. <laughs> like It's just not possible because people have other interests and, and desires in their life. And even if they don't want to be journalists, it's still really important for folks to at least understand a little bit of journalism, to be part of it, to get excited about it, to tell their friends about it. And so we created this other program, Documenters, which is a way for you to get a free training and then you get paid single assignments to go to a local government meeting and take notes. So really it's a building block of journalism and anyone can go from that step to becoming a journalist, but you could also just take like one assignment a week and you could still do your full-time job or you could still do a part-time job or go to school or whatever. Um, Cause maybe you're a creative person and you wanna do art and you don't wanna sit around in government meetings all day. Um, it's, it's a really great program because I think it really opens up the universe of who gets to be part of this. Even if you just wanna dabble, even if you don't wanna you know, invest in a full-time career. We found that that program really exposes so many more people to not just journalism, but the civic process, you know, like how does a law become a law? Like, it's not simple. <laughs> it's not like what you learn in grade school. And, uh, and, you know, like, who are the people who represent us? Like local politics is so, so personal. You don't get to see national politics in your everyday life the way that you do local politics. Like, we think that when you start at at that really local building block, you get people more excited about what's happening in their civic life. And um, whether they are being a journalist or being an activist or an educator or running for office or none of the above, right? Like you can still get involved at the ground floor. In the second part of this interview, we discussed with Bettina Chang about the business models of news, how news is funded, how local news is funded, and why City Bureau chose to be a nonprofit? I think there's several reasons that we're a nonprofit. I think at the barest level, a nonprofit structure is nothing but like a tax designation, right? It means that people can donate to you and deduct it from their taxes. It also makes it easier for private foundations to give you money. And a lot of our money does come from private foundations, which we're really grateful for um, our foundation partners. You know, on the other hand, if anyone wanted to do what we do and make it for profit, like I would love to see that. I think that like as many different ways that we can find and experiment with to sustain this kind of work, the better it'll be. I would say that the universe of financial solutions is expanding. You know, there are more people now thinking about why it's important to support local news and make sure that there's so many local newspapers that are disappearing. I think that, um, again, talking about how to create a discerning news consumer who can tell the difference between misinformation and, and real information, you also need to be able to have the general public understand that like, just because a news organization is nonprofit doesn't mean that they're not going, they're not unbiased, that they're not feeding huge bonuses to their executives, like that's still all possible under the nonprofit system. And so, you know, I think it is going to introduce a, a interesting level of <laughs> discourse around how news is funded uh, anywhere, especially in the U.S. because of that particular thing that happened. But everywhere, I mean, you see in Canada, for instance, that they're trying to um, they're trying to provide uh, tax credits for anyone who who buys a news subscription. 
but what's a new subscription? Does Netflix count if you're watching mostly documentaries, right? Like there's new shows on Netflix. Um, so I do think that like, because of the diversification of ways that people are trying to pay for news now, it's going to really uh, introduce a lot of new complications that are really interesting and worth thinking through. Where do you see City Bureau in the next five years? In a beautiful, ideal, perfect world, City Bureau would barely even need to exist five years from now, right? Like if if we were to have enough influence on the local media system in Chicago to be able to say like, hey, every news organization is diverse and inclusive and listening to the community, then like, you know, I could just go and hang out somewhere else. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, realistically speaking, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge change to ask for. And we don't know what that future world might look like. Um, even if we solve the problems we see now, it might bring about new problems because, you know, that's how the world works. Um, I would love to see that at least in Chicago, where we have the most influence that um, newsrooms are able to field reporters and editors who represent the diversity of the city. Um, a huge amount of our effort goes into building a pipeline of journalists who are able to represent all corners of the city and to be able to deeply understand and be able to uh, report and reflect those narratives properly the way that they, they should be. I would love if more journalism organizations and also more community organizations understood that journalism is a tool. It is not necessarily a profession. It is not necessarily an institution that needs to be achieved or, or gotten to. It could be something that you do every day. And I think that would be, to me, a really great sign that we made it an impact for anyone, whether, whether you're just like a neighborhood group that's like organizing to plant more trees, you know, to feel like, oh, hey, like, I know what public meeting I should go to, to be able to do that. Because, you know, I learned these journalism skills. As we approach the end of our discussion, what would be your final message to our listeners? Like the technology is available now, all it takes is sort of the human will and the desire to to sort of democratize access to journalism. You know, not every single individual has access to that technology right now, but, you know, with people who care enough, like you and any of your listeners, you know, it, it is doable. It's not, we're no longer living in a world where it's like, well, there's only one printing press in town. So like, so there's no reason for us on the production side to act like that's still true. So like, let's make sure that now that everyone has access to the means to publishing, let's make sure that everyone also has the access to the knowledge and the skills that they need to use them responsibly <laughs> and, in, and in a way that, you know, really uplifts uh, the voices of folks that are, that are too often left out and that, you know, leads to a more equitable society. This was Bettina Chang, co-founder of City Bureau, a civic journalism lab in Chicago. I'm Elena Giola for Find Out Why. Mm-hmm.